Hey fellow romance readers, I'm Amy. And I'm Sarah, and this is Post Book Depression. You know that feeling you get when you finish a good book that you didn't want to end? Have you finished a book and just weren't ready to move on from the story and its beloved characters? You find yourself needing just a little more? Well, this multi-trope romance podcast gives you the opportunity to dig deeper with us into books we love as we discuss all the reasons we can't move on. Feeling chatty? You can continue the conversation with us on Instagram at Post Book Depression Podcast or on Facebook in our Post Book Depression discussion group. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and take a brief moment to leave a review. Are you ready? Let's discuss. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Amy. And I'm Sarah. And today we're going to be discussing Until August by Emery Rose. The first few minutes, we're going to do a brief review of the story without any spoilers. Then we're going to shift into the deeper book discussion, which is going to include lots of spoilers. But don't worry, we're going to let you know before we do the deeper discussion. That is right. So Amy, why don't you give us a brief description of Until August? All right. Until August is part of a series of standalones and can be read without having read any of the others. It's an emotional story which takes on an interesting twist to the traditional love triangle. Nicola Vega meets Cruz, her one true love and forever and always, but a cruel twist of fate robs them of a future. As she works to navigate through life, August Harper, a hot tattooed chef, swaggers into her restaurant and takes over her kitchen and of course he claims her heart too. This is a second chance romance with good food, coastal beaches, and redemption. Sarah, what did you think of Until August? Okay, Until August. It was very unique to me in the way that it dealt with grief. Nicola is grieving the loss of her husband and it wasn't in the way that I had kind of anticipated it to be. I've never read grief from this perspective, I found it very interesting. A lot of times when we read stories, you know that I like to get into the mindset of the characters. If I disagree or I agree with them, regardless, I want to understand their perspective and why they do the things they do. And Mm -hmm. if I'm being completely honest with this, I kind of struggled a little bit with some of their choices. Yeah. um, I didn't understand some of their choices that they had to make and the reason behind it. So it was very eye-opening to me how some people handle hard life decisions and the dilemma that they feel in having to make those decisions. I also love the story because in it, there's a redemption story. And you and I, we both love a redemption story. In August, he has this really tragic kind of downfall in his personal life Mm -hmm. and loses everything. And I loved watching his character succeed. You couldn't help but just cheer for him. So to read the story and see the approach that Emery Rose took on how Nicola is going through the grief process and then just the redemption story for August and how these characters face these life challenges and just come together in the end. It was really beautiful. I really enjoyed it. What did you think? So like you, I am a sucker for a second chance redemption story. And this was a beautiful portrayal of that. While there were some hardships for them to overcome, I felt like the story of hope was really uh, just remarkable in this story. I really just enjoyed, like you said, getting in the mindset of the different characters. And it was just a beautiful portrayal of redemption, which I loved. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's get into our ratings. Angst. Okay, angst. I gave it a 2.5. I didn't feel it was really too overwhelming. I wasn't tense the whole time. Again, there was like those hard decisions that we talked about that they have to face. And then are these two characters going to get together? How are they going to get together? But I didn't feel it was overwhelming. What did you rate? So I gave it three out of five. While um, I wasn't constantly having that sense of anxiety or dread, there were some components of time throughout the story that I was nervous. Most of the angst I felt like was in the last quarter of the book, which you would expect. Yeah. All right. Humor. 
Humor. Okay, this one was just a 1.75 for me. It didn't feel like humorous throughout, but there was these little moments of you kind of chuckle. Yeah. There was some internal thoughts and stuff and a few things. So that's... Yeah, I did one out of five. Like you mentioned, I mean, comedy is not the overwhelming Mm-mm. feeling of the story. There yeah. were a few laugh out loud moments for me, but overall, it was definitely focused more on the drama, I felt like. I agree. Okay, spiciness. Spicy. Okay, I only gave it a 2.5. Oh. I did... What? What? Oh, did you rate it higher? I, I was higher than you, but keep going. Okay. I didn't feel like it was super spicy. Um, it had some good moments, but it wasn't constant throughout. Now I'm curious why you rated it so, <laughs> so high. I gave 3.5. And okay. <laughs> I know it's not the spiciest book that we've ever read by any mm-hmm. means. It's not like Dark Spice or, or right. anything like that. But I felt like the amount of scenes that were in the book was enough to bump it up a little bit for me. And the scenes were definitely descriptive that were in there. But I also felt like... August's inner dialogue was crude to me so that kind of bumped it up a little bit more for me I can kind of see that did you feel like there was a lot of spicy scenes in there because not a lot but compared to some of the ones that we've read recently I just felt like there was more more okay not that they were like over the top spice sure sure okay (laughs) not the spiciest we've ever read I'll allow (laughs) (laughs) she allows all right tears okay I gave this a three not because I actually cry I did cry at moments there was a moment in the story where Nicola has to make it make a very tough decision but what these two characters face and endure um August the trials that he kind of goes through and Nicola is really dealing with some very heavy stuff in this story. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty emotional for me, but not unbearable, if that makes sense. I, yeah, I also did three out of five. I felt like some of the things that the characters had to deal with was saddening to me. I didn't mm-hmm. cry real tears because I have a heart of stone. Heart of stone, <laughs> right there. <laughs> but I did feel very saddened for them, so that yeah. gave me the three out of five. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, overall... Okay, overall, I gave it a four. Okay. I thought it was a really good story. It dealt with, you know, like I said, grief in a way that I never read, and I really enjoyed it. It was very compelling. I liked it. What'd yeah, you give so it? I did 4.25. I loved the redemption aspects of the story. I like that it focuses on two chefs. I always like to learn about the inner workings of a kitchen, and so I that was too. fun and delightful to me. Yeah. And I just really enjoyed the, the redemption part. So overall, it was really great great story for me in my opinion. But that concludes the spoiler-free quick review of the story. Now we're going to shift into that deeper discussion portion, which will include plenty of spoilers. If you haven't read this story, go check it out. Come back and listen to our discussion and then let us know your thoughts. You can find us on Instagram, Post Book Depression Podcast, or on Facebook in our Post Book Depression discussion group, or you can email us at postbookdepressionpodcast at gmail.com. There's a lot to unpack. We're going to get started here. There are a lot of different character groupings in this story, so we are going to divide and conquer, pairing these up together as they're portrayed throughout the story. Shall we get started? Let's do it. Let's kick it off with August and Sasha, since that is how the prologue of the story opens up. We kick off the story with him showing up at her door, and we learn that Not only has he been away for a significant amount of time, but he has a son. Let's talk about August and Sasha. Okay. Well, I was really curious as to what their relationship history was because she was, I I don't know. I didn't know if like, I immediately suspected he had been in prison. Did you suspect Mm -hmm. that? Yes. That was no surprise to me. Yeah. I suspected that. And I was curious as to what had happened, what had transpired, because he seemed very broken and hurt 
So I, I was just thinking, were they married legally? Did she leave him? What happened? And yeah. I wasn't getting really great vibes from her. And I was trying to figure out, are they going to come back together? She's married. I wasn't sure if she was going to be the heroine of the story either. That was a little bit unclear to me. Mm -hmm. So like you, I was starting this story off wondering what has transpired. Yeah, well, I kept thinking, how's this going to shift? How are we going to not like her current husband? She's having a baby. (laughs) This is going to be very messy. That's what I had in my head. This is going to be very messy. I did too. And even early on in this story, Emery is laying out all of the pieces to the puzzle. And I'm thinking, how in the world is she going to bring all these pieces together? Like you, I felt like it was messy and we were really going to have to work through a lot to get to our happily ever after. So I was curious about their relationship as well. I didn't like how hard she was to August, just Mm -hmm. how abrasive and abrupt. And of course, I really had my hackles raised up on his behalf in that she was adamant he could not see his son. That's what I kept thinking because, I mean, obviously we know he's going to be the hero of the story. We're going to fall in love with him. We may not agree with all of his actions, but there was something about the way she was trying to keep his son Sage from him that I was not vibing with at all. And I really struggled with Sasha throughout this entire story. I did too. I was not a fan of hers, to be honest. Even in the end, I wasn't a fan of hers. I I don't know. I didn't like the decisions that she made. I didn't like, there was just a lot about her character I was not a fan of. I was curious to have this conversation with you because you always tend to lean more towards the mother side of things and being protective of the kid and all of that. So in my mind, I fully suspected that a lot of her character you were going to agree with and Mm-mm. and be supportive of her choices. So it's interesting to hear your perspective. Yeah, I very strongly disagreed with her on a big portion. Now, with that being said, you know how I am and I try to get in the mindset of why these characters are behaving the way that they are. Why are they making the choices the way they are making them? Which I kind of alluded to, you know, in my thoughts about the story. On all sides, I was curious about these characters and I just could not get on board Mm -hmm. with her. I really, really struggled. Now, there was a certain point that I did kind of think, Mm, okay, I might kind of get that, but I don't know. I just, I didn't. So one of the biggest points of conflict between August and Sasha through the entire story is when she starts talking about how she's wanting to potentially move her family to Hawaii to be with Travis's family. Let's spend just a few minutes talking about that contention and how it affects August. Okay, at this point in the story, August is really trying to be a part of Sage's life. And at this point, he has got to meet Sage again. Sage understands that that's his dad. I felt like it was an incredibly low blow of Sasha to try to make this decision. One of the lines that she says that literally kind of sent me over the edge as she said, this is a decision we will be making as a family. And then she cuts him out. And she, (laughs) yes, she does not even include him in that. And I understand that she was extremely hurt and she has a history with August. She has a very strong opinion of August, but he has said to her at this point a few times, I am not your dad because her dad abandoned her. And I just... I've never been in a position where I'm not from a blended family. My parents are still married. They've been married over 40 years, 40 years, something like that. I don't understand that. I don't come from a broken household or a, 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 you know, a divorced household. So I understand that there are going to be 
tough decisions that you have to make when you have a, a blended family. Mm-hmm. But when both sides are actively trying to make the best decision for their child or their children, I feel like big life decisions such as moving away, especially over 2,000 miles away, need to be made together, especially because August cannot leave the state. Yeah, because he's been to prison. And so he's on parole right now and can't leave the state. So it's extremely unfair of Sasha and Travis to make this decision without considering August. Yeah. And and again, I think you have to be in the position, you have to understand what's happening on both sides and and that kind of thing. But in this particular situation, I do not feel like that was warranted for him to be excluded because he is trying to rebuild that relationship. And if she has, she's already made the decision that that is okay. Mm -hmm. You can rebuild this relationship with him. So for her to make that decision and then just be like, but in this area, you don't have a say. I didn't think that that was right, especially knowing he doesn't really have a leg to stand on. He can't really take her to court. I mean, he's thought about it, but he is, I love his thought process in that. He does not feel like it is in the well-being of Sage to see his parents battle it out. Mm-hmm. I love that he was thinking about Sage and how that would impact him. Because a lot of times you're more angry at your par- your ex-partner that you're not thinking about how that's going to impact the child. And again, I can't speak from experience. I don't have that. But in my mind, that's my thought process. And I, I don't know. She just... There was a lot with Sasha that just really kind of drove me crazy. And I felt like in that particular situation, it was not fair of her. Yeah, it was extremely unfair. And I really, it increased my level of respect for August when he was being mindful of Sage in that in that time and being mindful of not wanting to drag him through that. Let's transition to August and Sage and their relationship together, how it starts and how it evolves. Let's talk a little bit about that. I thought it was heartbreaking the moment that August sees Sage at the beach and doesn't recognize and doesn't him. recognize which one is his son because it's been so long, my heart was hurting. This is where the emotions and the tears come in for me because it's been five years. He was two and a half when August goes to prison, and when he realizes who he is, and then he says Sage, and Sage looks confused and doesn't recognize. It was like a punch to my gut mm-hmm. because as a parent. I can't even imagine my children not knowing who I am or who their dad is. It, that was brutal. That was a brutal scene. Especially for August because he had two and a half years with Sage mm-hmm. that he had a bond. He grew his relationship with him and then unexpectedly had to go away for five years, which is the prime time in a child's life mm-hmm. in those primitive years. And it broke my heart to read that scene and see just how much heartache he felt in that moment. One of the things that I want to point out, because when that happens, you're kind of thinking, what kind of dad were you? Why did you go to prison? And I love that we get the backstory that August was an incredible dad. He loved his son. He was not a bad dad. Right. He was a good dad and he made a bad decision for his son. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have a lot of medical bills. We know that Sage has a heart condition and he was having these surgeries. He had opened a restaurant. They were financially drowning and he made the worst, absolute worst decision he could. But he really was his motives. And I'm not condoning what he did. At all. I talked to my husband about this. I'm not condoning what he did, but he was so desperate and he was, his heart really was in the right place. He was trying, 
to make things better for his family. Desperate people do desperate things. They really do. And so I have to say, I don't, I don't condemn him for his decision. It was hard. It wasn't the right one. Yeah, so you you touched on the fact that Sage had a heart defect. And I have to be honest, I know we haven't gotten into Cruz yet, and we will. But this is where I just knew how the story was going to play out. And then she would bring in these curveballs. So when we learned about his heart defect, and then when Nicola makes comments of the fact that Cruz has a strong heart, I immediately thought there's going to be some tragedy involving Sage's heart and Cruz is going to have to give a heart transplant. And I immediately went on a deep dive. Can kids receive adult hearts in a transplant? And I was pleasantly surprised that that is not the direction that she went. I'm glad that we didn't have that trauma with the heart, yeah, Sage and all of that. So that was a weird direction I went. I, I can understand where your mind went that way because of the Darkest Sunrise series that we covered in January, but I didn't go there at all. Like I didn't think that because she says that he's healthy uh-huh. and he's doing good and he's out there surfing. You know, he's living an active life that seems that the third surgery that he had was a success. So I'm, that's interesting that you, <laughs> your mind went that way because I didn't think that at all. I went on a completely unnecessary deep dive. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So we're going to shift now. Let's spend some time just focusing solely on August. We've talked a little bit about how his motivations and his decisions sent him to prison and how what a great dad he was in his life before prison. Let's talk about after prison and when he gets out and kind of his mindset and where he's at at this point. We find he's in kind of a desperate place. He's just recently gotten out of prison. He doesn't have any money. He doesn't have a job. He does have, you know, some friends that are giving him some work, but he needs something a little bit more sustainable, especially wanting to be in Sage's life and having to, not having to because Sasha said she didn't want it, but wanting to financially participate in Sage's life as well. And this is when he has the little meet cute with Nicola in the restaurant of his friends, his Vietnamese friends. I thought it was interesting that they both felt like they were familiar, like they looked familiar and stuff. And I, I love that she was immediately, how did you get in this kitchen? What have you done? <laughs> the little jo- This is where the humor comes in where she's like, are you a serial killer? <laughs> I like that scene He's like, yeah, I killed him and now I'm cooking in their kitchen. That was interesting. My heart really hurts for August in the, all the ways that he really has to rebuild from the ground up. He's not living in a place of his own. He's in one of those, is it a hostel? Yeah, it's like a hostel. So there's other people in the room and just kind of desperate, you know, especially because he was this well-known chef. He had received the Michelin star for his restaurant. And to kind of see where he's really having to start from the ground up. I love that he was able to pinpoint that she was a chef. And I like that. First of all, I love cooking. I love it. I love when we read stories that involves a chef. And so, yeah, their little meat, their connection was intriguing to and me. She, and she recognized the knife tattoo was a chef's knife. So she immediately recognized he was a chef as well or assumed that he was a chef from that tattoo. Yeah. Which I thought was cool. Yeah. You're very comfortable in the kitchen. I, however, all I like about the kitchen is eating the food. I don't like the prep. <laughs> I don't like the meal planning. None of that. You, that's your forte. I know. So I it was it. interesting to me just to see that perspective <laughs> mm-hmm. of the chef side of these two characters. We've talked about their initial connection in the present. And when he comes back to her to ask for a job in her kitchen, that is where we learn that they had an initial meeting 
way back when they were teenagers, and I love that all he gives her is just Sicilian pistachios and then turns to walk away, and she has this realization. And then we get the backstory of their very first meeting, and it isn't it just the best. It is the best (laughs) meeting ever. I love it so much because, well, I was a little confused because this said, was it a second chance kind of romance and then like friends to lovers? Mm -hmm. And I, I thought it was an interesting way to categorize this trope. Because they weren't friends. No, they weren't. They literally met at kind of a farmer's market, really, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. But I love that he stole her first kiss. But he I just leans over. I can picture this scene so vividly in my mind. And it was the best. I love the scene. Incredible. And I love that throughout the whole story that the Sicilian pistachios is kind of their thing. I love that too. I love when there's little nuggets like that that are kind of sprinkled throughout. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things that made me laugh out loud when he showed up at the, well, when he heard the busker singing the boxer and he threw some pistachios in there and he tells them they're worth their weight in gold. Yeah, and the guy kind of was like, (laughs) no. (laughs) I liked that phraseology that they used over and over anytime they talked to each other and it was just so special. I love the Sicilian pistachios. I did regret on his behalf that he did not take the Sicilian pistachios to her when she got her Michelin star. I know. That was really sad. But I love that he was. He thought, I'm going to get the five-pound bag, <laughs> and then we'll get to it. But the, in the end, when she comes with a 10-pound bag, <laughs> like, like, they're one-upping one Yes, they're one-upping <laughs> each other. And I just thought that that was the best. Something about their little meet-cute moment that I thought was kind of tragic. Well, one, let me back up. I love that he becomes... Like when she's talking to Scarlett, her best friend, and she's like, no way, not the pistachio guy, you know, <laughs> because she based everything in her teen years. She did. Upon him. And so it was kind of tragic that her, he came back and her dad turned him away and just was, you're trouble, you're no good for my daughter. I did not like that mentality. I understand. I mean, I'm a parent, but, you know, yeah, I'm not in that realm of like their my kids lives so I don't know how I'm gonna feel but every time I read when parents do that I just think oh can you not say that to a young teen it was disappointing to read that was the attitude of her parents that whole time but as August repeatedly says we would not have probably survived if we had um connected back then mm-hmm. on a on a deeper level I, there was just too much going on they needed their time to grow but it was very sad to me to read that his dad had turned him away when he'd come back mm-hmm. looking for her and she never knew about it i know and she, he says i don't remember she's like well you remembered all this other stuff so i'm pretty <laughs> sure that's a lie so i want to talk about the the dynamics that they have as two chefs in the shared kitchen it's so good. trying to hide their feelings for each other. And it cracks me up that everybody in their kitchen knows. I know. Something and is she's going like, on. how do you guys know? And Luca, her <laughs> brother, just everybody knows. Nobody cares. <laughs> yes. It's like, yeah, everybody here knows. We've and talked about it. Working together, I find it interesting that each one of them handles pressure different. Mm. Well, Each one of them handles pressure basically the same and that they take it out on those around them when they're feeling very out of control. And she even has that thought. So to see each one of them have different scenes throughout the story in the kitchen where something happens that forces them to kind of take their 
frustration and their anger out on everyone around them. For him, it was the scene whenever... He's, like, critiquing really harshly the the whole yes. staff. And she says, okay, well, tomorrow you need to come back and figure out a way to build them up. I loved her went. as a leader in that moment. Mm-hmm. As a manager, That those are such great qualities in a leader. And the fact that she would do that for her team really spoke a lot about her character. And then when she's freaking about the restaurant critic coming in, mm-hmm. and she's kind of taking it out on everyone... I love that he pulls her in and takes her to the side and just kisses her. Yeah. Just to get her mind off of that pressure. Calming her down. I loved those moments too. And one of the things that I really love, because when he kind of lashes out, because he's upset about the whole Sage moving scenario, and she is able to understand where he's coming from. She doesn't agree with that in the moment, but she understands, yeah, I'm like that too. So I appreciated that she didn't just come out. One of the things... (laughs) I love because they're very high emotion and there was, he did this a few times. He thought uh, when she would kind of smack him and he would think so physical this girl (laughs) (laughs) because she was always kind of smacking him around and stuff. Those always made me kind of chuckle, but they had such a good chemistry in the kitchen and the way that they were able to work together and they complimented each other. I love that they use the phrase that we make magic Oh, me too. That was so good because she really kind of needed that and he was really bringing her back to life. It was very interesting to me, and we can dig more into this once we shift to uh, Nicola and Cruz, but that her brother Luca had never experienced her joy in the kitchen and not understanding, you know, so when she kind of has this life in her and he's seeing a completely different side of her as a boss Mm -hmm. and as a leader, and he recognizes August is really bringing that out in her it was a beautiful thing to witness that shift in that character who you know is really has spent the last two years in immense amount of grief mm-hmm. and heartache. Yeah, well, I liked the way August describes it when he watches her that very first night struggling in the kitchen and he tells her, you're on an island by yourself and you need support. And he comes to be that support for her. I love that he recognized that in just the first night that he watches her in the kitchen and then comes. And so to see him kind of bring her full circle from where she's very isolated, dealing with the grief that you mentioned, and then Luca and the staff recognizing that she's much happier and in a better place. Let's shift into the connection of Nicola and Cruz. And we learn that Cruz is the love of her life. She was very happily married. And then things quickly go downhill for them. That was so tragic. The accident that he endures where he is beaten with a tire iron, which just was horrifying to me when she describes that because he didn't want to give up his car keys. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he is in, he had, we find out he had this window of opportunity where she could have pulled the life support and she made the decision not to. So he's in an assisted living facility or Around the clock care, basically, because mm-hmm. he's in a vegetative state. Yeah. Um, forever. Yeah. And she has been encouraged by his best friend, her best friend's husband, and his partner, his work partner, to go to the lawyers and to make the hard decision to let him pass. Now, this is where the emotion was very hard for me because my husband and I have had extensive conversation that if, God forbid, there was ever a tragedy, we do not want to live. Right. In that kind of state. It's not living. It's not living. And that's what Dylan, her friend, tells her. This isn't living. He would never want this. But then when you hear her say, 
he has to starve and he has to be dehydrated in order to die. When she described it that way, oh, Sarah, that was probably one of the most emotional scenes for me when they actually make the decision to move in that direction. Mm -hmm. And she's kind of thinking about never getting to experience life with this man anymore and Mm -hmm. just all of the connections and the feelings that go along with that saying goodbye and realizing that it is going to take a mercy kill a mercy kill and weeks i knew i'm sure you did too immediately when dylan asks for a moment alone what's going to transpire i didn't know how he was going to do it and i was surprised that they nobody questioned i same so when she said that her pillow and blanket was gone when she came back I thought, okay, that's interesting. And there's a whole other story involved in that. But Dylan, you know, I guess made hard choices when they had to be made. And he saw it at, I mean, he's the one that phrased it as a mercy kill. Mm-hmm. I really, this is where, when I said it was such a unique approach to the grieving process, because she has had to grieve that her husband is never going to be her husband again over the last two years, but he's not dead. He's not alive, but he's not dead. So her grief was very interesting to me because for two years, she's lived in this mindset of knowing nothing is ever going to be the same. There is literally no hope. You're stuck in limbo. Mm -hmm. And I struggle. This is where I struggle with having to get into the mindset of the characters because when her and August make this transition into a physical relationship and then they realize that it's more than that and they're falling in love with each other but she has this guilt because she's technically still married Mm -hmm. I struggled with that yeah because how do you move on you know that her husband can never be a husband again but he's not dead so you're still legally married. Yeah. And where she talks about she feels like she's cheating. At one point she didn't. And then at one point she said. The emotional she cheating. Thought, I'm cheating. Mm-hmm. You know. And that was hard. Because I don't. I couldn't put myself in her shoes at all. I loved her loyalty to Cruz. I understood that need to feel that intimacy with another person. I understood that need to feel alive. And not stuck. And just. You can't move forward, but you can't go back. You don't really know what the future holds. And then the grief that she has to endure, because when he finally does pass, now she has to grieve his death. Mm-hmm. So it was very interesting to me because there's there's so much of the grief process that's taking place, but none of it is as clean cut as just your spouse passing away. Right. And it it really draws things out and it really keeps her from moving on. There are a couple things that I want to address in what you just said. Leading up to this point, Nicola and August have made the no strings attached arrangement, which mm-hmm. we all know never works out for anyone. Yeah, you're going to catch feelings. Somebody's going to catch, catch feelings. You're going to catch feelings and it's going to end in heartache for one or both parties. It just mm-hmm. is never a good idea. But it's ultimately her feelings where she's realizing I have these intense feelings for August and she's having this inner turmoil conflict. I'm cheating on my husband, even if it's emotional and now physical, which ultimately leads her to make the choice to walk away from August, which was extremely heartbreaking for both of them. You know, what I found interesting about that is her reasoning behind it is because she didn't want to feel like she was choosing one over the other. And if she stayed with August when she had to make the hard decision about what to do with Cruz, it was in her mindset, I'm choosing August over Cruz. Mm -hmm. 
again, I could not, I tried, I really try to wrap my brain around why these characters make the decisions that they make. And I don't know, I struggled on all levels with her. I struggled on the fact that she even entered a relationship with August. I struggled with the fact that she had to make this difficult decision to walk away from August. And then that she, I kind of understood her sister-in-law Frankie being really upset with her about not putting him out of his misery because that's just, it's not a life. Mm -hmm. It's not a life. But I also understood she couldn't let him go. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so she, I made the comment earlier about how August told her that she was on an island mm -hmm. in her kitchen. She was also on an island in her life because she literally was the only person who was supportive of leaving him alive and not um taking him off the this well, well her parents were well okay you're right she did have but they weren't really supportive supportive no they were adamant that things were going to get better Cruz was going to come out of this and they were going to live there happily ever after and that just was not a realistic choice so she was very isolated and on an island and feeling having to deal with Cruz in the state that he was yeah it was very tough. Her parents, that was another frustration I experienced with her parents because they kept saying, it's not our place to play God. It's not your place to play God. And I thought, well, you know, you're not really in this situation where you're having to make that decision for somebody. So back off, Jack. <laughs> like, and, I was... And when they said that, I immediately thought, okay, well, back when the accident first happened and you chose to put him on life support, you're kind of making that decision yeah. either way. Mm-hmm. So. It's a it's a hard it's one of those things where you really kind of have to have it written out what you prefer mm -hmm. your preference so that nobody has to make those tough calls because when tragedy happens you it's don't very know emotional. how it's emotional you don't know how you're going to react there's always going to be somebody that's saying something in your ear mm -hmm. and it's going to be against everything that you feel or goes against the wishes of the person that you're having to make the decisions for so it was a tough one her decision to walk away from August was so brutal because at this point we know how deeply in love he is with her and he yeah he wants, tells her that he that wants scene. to wait for oh. her and she says no Sarah that was so sad that I cried that's where I was oh, crying. it broke my heart he is laying out his feelings for her at this their first date and then she can't reciprocate because her her feelings for Cruz and just her connection to him and then when they actually make the separation even that time after Cruz passes away, the scene where he takes her to see the Christmas lights, mm -hmm. you know how much of a struggle that is for him, how yeah. much he's hurting, knowing that she needs this time to grieve. She hasn't really grieved yet. And so he's trying to kickstart the grief process for her. And just that whole moment, my heart was just broken into pieces for both of them, for him, because he can't be with the woman that he loves right now and her having to say goodbye to one and you're just not sure if it's going to work out with the other. It reminds me of that line in that Sean Mendez song, It'll Be Okay, where he says, I'll make it easy, you know, I'll and make I make the choice for you. Yeah. And I felt like August really was trying to do that because he was struggling because he didn't want to be the second choice, but he thinks to himself that he has abandonment issues. Mm -hmm. Sasha walked away from him when he was in prison. And so he has that kind of internal pain that he struggles with and he feels it with her that mm -hmm. he he doesn't get this happily ever after and I think he was trying to grasp it and hold on to it when he asks her or tells her I will wait for you and she says no 
which I, I understand why she did it. And I feel like it was the best decision for him as well mm-hmm. because he needed to really be able to try to work through building his life back up without waiting on this relationship, if that makes sense. I love, well, I didn't in the time, but I love that he sets her up for success in her restaurant and then walks away Mm -hmm. and then starts his own restaurant. I love his little food truck and how Luca keeps coming to him. And I love that Sage is like his little tester. (laughs) It's so funny. He's like, is this like what you fed me the other day? Because if it tastes like that, I'll spit it out. And then he tasted it. It's so good. I love that Luca continues to come and Ari continues to come and they update him. But then at one point he says, stop. I can't do it anymore. I can't handle it. And I I was surprised. Okay, so after Cruz passes, we see her go f- through the grief process. And you know I don't like time jumps. And this was a small one. <laughs> it was I mean, a small one. She gave us little chunks at a time. And necessary. But absolutely. That's what I was going to say. But I felt like it was so necessary. She really needed to grieve. And I love that she asked, you know, she just kind of needs a sign. Like her therapist says, are you waiting for a sign? And she says, I think I am. Her brother, the scene where he (laughs) falls and hits his head and she smacks him. She's like, my husband had a head injury. How could you do that? And he's like, oh, sorry, my bad. (laughs) I love that. Like when he hugs her, she's like, well, it's not as awkward as the last time he hugged me. But Luca's funny. He gives us a little bit of comedic relief that we need. But the letter that she finds that Cruz wrote to her on their wedding day, and she kind of takes that as a sign to move on. So I thought, oh, she's going to jump right back to August. No. no. It's like, that was what, February or June maybe? And then it jumps all the way to October. <laughs> uh-huh. That was brutal for me. But he has his restaurant. She has his restaurant. And it's Wild to- honey. Oh, Sarah, because okay. It's her honey bun. Listeners, you know... We love a good nickname on this show, but I gotta say, when I heard him call her Honey Bun for the first time, I wrote in my notes, Honey Bun, no, just no. Yes! <laughs> I thought you were getting very built up, and I thought, if she says that she loves that nickname, I'm gonna lose it. I Worst hated nickname ever. Oh, it was the worst. And when she's like, no, I don't like it. And I love when they go to Nash, and he, was it with Nash when he, she meets his friend Nash, and says something about Honey Bun. He's like, you gonna let him call you that? She's like, yeah. I love that she hated it too. Oh, I absolutely hated it. I love the name of his restaurant. I know. And I love that Luca comes back and tells her he's obsessed with honey right now. (laughs) Because he misses her. But oh, could she not? It was literally for me one of, it ranks up there as, I think it's my least favorite nickname. I think so too. I'm so glad we agree. (laughs) I thought, if this is another spice level disagreement, <laughs> it was the worst. Oh, just, ew, no, no. Okay, so uh, shifting gears, one of uh, the recurring themes in this story, we hear it from both August's perspective and Nicola's, is the saying that nothing is made to last forever. Ooh, tell me, Tell me what you think about that. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. I don't feel that way at all. I do feel like there are just things in life that click and I'm a romantic so I have to believe in forever. I just don't. I don't know. I don't agree with it. Do you? No, I don't agree with it because I think there are hard things in life 
I don't think things necessarily come easy and we have to work for the things that matter and are important to us. I feel like you can stay happily married with someone. You just have to put in the effort on both sides, specifically a relationship. And there are other things that I think can last forever. So that mentality was one that I I did not get on board with, but it was interesting to me to see their perspective and their reasonings. Well, we have to remember that we're coming from a very jaded couple, Mm -hmm. you know, because August had a horrible, like his mom died at birth. His dad was horrible to him and and died. He had been in foster care. He had been to prison. His quote unquote wife at the time wasn't legally his wife, but Sasha, who he considers his wife, she left him. He potentially is losing his son. And then you have, you know, Nicola, who her husband faced a horrible tragedy and I mean, I could see where you're jaded. Yeah. You're a little jaded and you don't believe good things last forever for you. I definitely could understand why they felt that way. Yes. So I do feel like if you're a bit jaded, then sure, I could understand where you feel that way. But do I believe that? Absolutely not. Yeah, I agree. I'm the same way. And I like to believe, let me just say, I like to believe (laughs) after they find each other for the third time. Perspective might shift. Their perspective would shift inclined to agree. Yeah, let's go with that. (laughs) That also brings us to another point that was talked about a bit. Luca makes this statement when he's talking to Nicola. I don't believe you're supposed to be with just one person for your entire life. Mm. Let's talk about that. (laughs) Okay, let's tread lightly. Uh, (laughs) Baby, I know you're listening, so this is going to be for you. So my husband, you know this, we had a debate. Was it last year? It was like the beginning of last year. Mm -hmm. Dustin, my husband, believes in soulmates. And I told him I did not. (laughs) And we've been married for 15 years in February. And so anyway, I just said no. So all these little things, anytime we finish each other's sentences or something, he's like, it's almost like we're soulmates. (laughs) It's become an inside joke for you It is a major inside joke. It's funny. My friends know. And so anyway, but I said to him the point that I made was, yes, I believe you and I are together forever. We don't speak the word divorce in our household. It's not something that is even allowed to come up. We work through anything we face. Mm -hmm. Now, I brought to him, what if somebody loses their spouse? What about the marriages that do end for people? Are you saying that they're not allowed to have anybody else? <laughs> Baby, I love you so much. I feel like he's going to be so upset. I don't agree with that because I've, I've personally, in my personal life, I've known people who have tragically lost their spouses mm-hmm. and they have remarried and they are blissfully happy. And so I do believe that you can find love after loss, whether that be due to death or to a marriage through ending through divorce, I just don't believe that that is the case for everybody. But Dustin, you and I are forever. (laughs) We're forever, baby. So I don't know. What do you think? I agree with you in that I feel like, especially in people who have lost a loved one, whether it's through disillusion of a marriage or death or tragedy, I think that you can find happiness again in someone else. Now, I personally love the stories that we read that have soulmates in them. Mm -hmm. Those are some of my favorite romance stories to read. And they just give me all the feels. I like the idea of a soulmate. And I think that you can find a soulmate even 
in love or friendship. I feel like even sometimes friends can be soulmates with one another. So in that regard, yes, I like the idea of soulmates, but I do feel like there could potentially be more than one person created for you, especially in, um, in a, an example of tragedy or dis- dissolvement of a marriage. Yeah. I, we are on the same page. <laughs> we are on this. I'm sorry, Dustin, to have created some, <laughs> some talking points in your home. <laughs> Now we want everybody to give us their feedback on Instagram. Do you side with Amy and Sarah? Or do you side with Dustin? <laughs> yeah, do you believe in soulmates? <laughs> we know that Nicola and August get their happily ever after. I love that they get their happily ever after. I do too. It's so beautiful that you can find somebody that really brings you back to life. Because let's just be honest, Nicola, she needed to be brought back to life. She endured something that... Most people are not going to endure. You're not going to have your spouse in a vegetative state for two years Mm -hmm. or ongoing if you allowed it to persist. So I was really thankful that they were able to find each other and just be blissfully happy. That's the way I'm going to see it. Just (laughs) blissfully happy. And it really came full circle, their meeting and then coming back together. It was a good story. I liked this story. It was a good story. You have a song for us. I have a song. So I chose Stay by Rihanna and Mickey Echo. Oh, that's a good one. It's a good one. And I've listened to it over and over. And I feel like that song can go with so many different types of scenarios with relationships. But I really felt like with this one, it did because she, she wants to stay with him. He wants her to stay, but they know that they have to kind of, you know, pull it apart. And they're both broken. There's a line in then that song about being broken and so I thought it was very fitting that's so that's my song that's a perfect choice for this story well, I thank love it. you I thought so all right well thank you all so much for joining us on this episode of until August we hope you enjoyed it and want to continue the discussion with us we would love to hear from you what were your favorite parts of the story do you believe in soulmates <laughs> <laughs> hit us up on Instagram at postbook depression podcast or on Facebook and our postbook depression discussion group You can also email us at postbookdepressionpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep reading.